Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Hey guys, we are right here at the end of season five. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe another season of the podcast is coming to a close, but I have saved the best for last for this end of this season. I'm sitting down with one of my friends and someone that I absolutely have the utmost respect and admiration for. Pam Farrell is an international speaker and she's the author of, wait for it, 58 books. 58 books. I can't even hardly say that without imagining. That's like one a year for over 50 years. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, <laughs> all right. We're going to talk about longevity in ministry and how you continue to move forward. And we're going to talk about some of the health crisis. You've heard me talk about mine here, but Pam was through a very harrowing experience the last year, and yet she's continued to move forward and God's call in our life. We all need to know how we can finish well, how we can maintain longevity in the ministry that God has called us to do. You might recognize one of her best-selling books, Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. She's a co-author of the award-winning best-selling Discover the Bible, Creative Bible Experience Series, and her latest one on John. We'll lean into that a bit today. The Farrells have been married for 42 years with the parents of three sons, three daughters and loves and five grands. And they make their home on a live aboard boat. All right. We have to talk about that dock in <laughs> Southern California. So welcome, Pam. I'm so excited to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to face-to-face time with you for quite some time. So this me, is great. Me too. And there's like, okay, a million things that I want to talk about just based <laughs> on that bio. So let's just start with the end there. Talk about this living on board a boat in Southern California. <laughs> How did that transpire? Right. So um, I, my, my husband and I, um, we are the California crew. And Bill's parents were like 88 and starting not to do well. And nobody else lived in California but us. We were pastoring down in San Diego. And so Bill started having to drive back and forth, back and forth, back and forth across Los Angeles to take care of them. And one day he had been like seven hours each direction and staying two or three days longer than he thought and just week after week after week and one night it was like midnight and he finally got home and he came upstairs to our room and he just looked like death warmed over and I'm like hon do we need to move closer you know because it looks like taking care of your parents trying to keep them alive is killing you like do we need to make some change here yeah and he's like I'm so tired we'll talk about it in the morning and the next day he's like Pam I've been praying and what if we downsized, we were going to do that anyway, all of our kids are gone and launched out on their own doing well. So what if we sold our house and like gave away all of our worldly goods to others in ministry and in need, and we moved on to a liveaboard boat? Wow. You're like half like mermaid, Pam. What do you think? <laughs> and I love the water. I love the ocean. Oh. We, yeah, our ministry has been most of our life in San Diego. So near the ocean and I kayak and I paddleboard and I didn't even take me 10 seconds. I'm like, hashtag, yes, crazy wow. good midlife adventure. Let's do it. So it took us about a year to sell our house and to, um, give away all of our worldly goods. Uh, most of our worldly goods, probably 90%. We, we gave our, gave away, kept like 10% wow. and, um, moved onto this live aboard boat, which 
it's kind of a very fun story on the name of our boat. Bill was, we looked and looked and looked and we had like a small amount that we we're going to spend on a boat because we not lived on a boat before. So like, I got to spend the whole nest egg on it. So um, we had, it was down to four boats and I was speaking at a retreat and Bill was going to go look at them all. And so I got this phone call on Saturday night, right before the evening session. And he's like, Pam, this new boat came on and I went up and saw it and I, it matches everything on our list. And here's the cool thing. Guess what the name is? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, what did your dad call you when you were a little girl and you were upset? And I'm like, Charlie, he's like, that's the name of the boat. No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And wow. if you know the if you know the story of my testimony, my dad didn't make all that many good decisions. Um, he was an alcoholic and abusive, but when I was a little girl and he was sober, he mm. did like to put me on his little motor scooter with my little Charlie Brown doll and mm. whirl me around our little town and my nickname became Charlie. And so I felt like my heavenly father and my father who now has come to Christ and then entered heaven, they may have been working behind the scenes to get that Charlie boat to us. Yeah. Isn't that, um, what is, what a story. There's so many layers to that. Not only a full circle moment with your family and your own personal testimony, but your ability to just kind of let go of so many of your possessions that can be so hard for people. And I'm assuming that you didn't give up pastoring. You stayed in that same area, continued to pastor. Well, we had just, okay. So we pastored for 15 years, almost 16 years. And um, then we freelance wrote and spoke uh, for a couple of years, but our youngest son was still a little bit young for us to travel as much as we needed to. Sure. And so Bill went on staff with Dr. David Jeremiah as a yes. small groups pastor for four more years. And then it, we had just um, launched everybody and um, we were living this big old house that we use like two rooms in. Yeah. was like, why do we have this huge Southern California mortgage when we live in like two or three rooms. And so we were already thinking about downsizing and then the caregiving element entered in. And so we had already released um, past serving in that ministry, the church ministry. And we were full-time writing and speaking when the caregiving element happened. So we were free to live anywhere at that point. So that's why we were the ones to say yes to God when mom and dad needed some help. That's amazing. It's amazing. And there's a a couple of themes of your life that are already just kind of um, rising to the surface as we're listening to you talk, Pam, which is resilience. You've you've developed resilience. Um, I'd like to talk about that in just a second. And this ability to kind of adapt and reinvent, you know, and uh, let me fast forward. Uh, You mentioned your testimony. I want to come back to that in a moment and talk about this resilience that you've you've developed and what that has looked like for you. But I really came into close contact with you about a year ago um, for a retreat that I host for female Christian communicators. And you became very ill, sadly, unable to attend that we're in ICU. We talked about that a little bit here before we launched the podcast. So let's, we're we're starting with the end in mind, I guess, which is kind of our theme today, which is finishing (laughs) well. And how do we live with the end in mind and this life of longevity, but Let's talk about that for a minute, because this was something that you have dealt with for a few years, but it came to a really serious point. Talk about your health journey, Pam, and how that has been an integral part of your life and especially over this last year. 
So I was an athlete growing up. So super fit, really into health and wellness and wanting my to take care of the body that the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, but as my kids got older, um, they were all three sport athletes and I found myself driving them around to all yeah. their games and things <laughs> and me sitting on the bench way too much. Okay. Mm. So I gained weight. And um, then a dear friend uh, in ministry, Carol Lewis, who was the president of first place for health challenged me to come to first place um, and to a wellness week. And at that wellness week, I knew I needed to address um, the 70 pounds I had gained, I was borderline diabetic and, um, God like had this moment, uh, of reckoning with me. And uh, when the nurse said, um, yeah, you're, you need to call your doctor. In fact, you should probably go to the hospital because, um, you're, um, your glucose is super high. And, uh, d- did you know you're diabetic? I'm like, well, I've been borderline. She's like, um, you're so far past the border. You can't see the border anymore, oh, girl. No. So you need to talk to your doctor. So that kind of started the journey. Well, I got a great Christian doctor who has a full a theology degree and a full medical degree. And, um, within a year being a part of first place for health and eating, uh, the way God intended, uh, in the amount God intended and, you know, exercising, I lost those 70 pounds mm. and I've kept it off for like t- more than a decade, about 12 years. And um, so I basically lost a third grader. Woo. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot easier, wow. life, you know, without that on me. Um, <laughs> wow. So I was really feeling pretty great. And then the whole downsizing thing happened and we sold, we moved onto the boat. I was feeling great. And all of a sudden, I started not feeling as well. And so I found a new doctor, and they finally diagnosed that I had diabetes 1.5, which is a very kind of rare uh, autoimmune kind of diabetes. It doesn't really act like diabetes 1 or 2. It's its own thing. Um, So it's a little bit harder to manage. But the doctors, I had several doctors working in to try to find a good, you know, solution for me. Um, but then I traveled to Texas and I broke on my rib on the way to Texas and um, a super excruciating pain. I took a bunch of, um, you know, over-the-counter pain medicine. I didn't realize that I shouldn't be taking. And anyway, that caused um, toxicity in my body, which then turned into uh, an infection. And one, just a few days later, I'm like, honey, I think I'm having a heart attack. And so he runs me to the emergency room. My dad died at 62 of a heart attack. I was 63. Wow. So it got my attention. So yeah. Bill drove me to the emergency room. But wow, it's like one miracle after another. We walked in. I was the only one in the emergency room. So the doctors started doing the intake and they realized, oh, she she's dealing with diabetes. This is probably a DKA. This is life-threatening. Um, so we're going to put her in a um, medically induced coma mm. uh, to save her life. Hmm. So I was supposed to a couple of days later be with you at yeah. a conference. Yeah. <laughs> um, so oh. they, they put me in this medically induced coma. And I tell you, from the moment I said, honey, I think I'm having a heart attack. God's peace, God's power, God's protection, hmm. provision was there every breath, every step of the way. And um, I do want to share with you just the question. Just God moment. Um, when you when you are in a coma, it's just you and God. Mm. Like there's nobody else to talk to. 
And so your relationship with God becomes so precious. And um, God just ministered to me um, in the Bible. It tells us in Hebrews, are there not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Mm. And that's Hebrews 1.14. And that's what I saw for the whole mm. time I was in a coma, hours and hours and hours were beautiful angels um, and just like they were dancing before the gates of heaven. And so I was talking to God about like, what am I seeing here? And I was getting the impression from the Holy Spirit that it's not your time yet. That's why you haven't entered heaven, but we want you to know we're here with you. God's presence is with you. And they were beautiful and they were glittering and they were gold. And it just was, you can't even describe it. It's so beautiful. Um, the power, the presence of God that was with me during that entire time. And, you know, I just love that in Exodus, um, God tells Moses, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along your way. Hmm. And I feel like I had a modern day experience of that. And I did wake up and this side of heaven and, um, my husband had been told, Okay, you need to go home. You need some sleep. The doctor said, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to do my best to keep your wife alive. Mm. And we'll call you if anything changes. Mm. So I woke up and I was on a ventilator and the nurse walked in and I I immediately wanted to communicate with her. Mm. And so I saw a whiteboard across the room and I'm like, you know, making signs like I want the whiteboard. And so she brings over the whiteboard and um. She explains what is, has gone on with me and I start communicating to her and Bill walked in by writing on the whiteboard and Bill walked in and he started smiling. He said, Oh, she's going to be fine. She's, <laughs> she's got a whiteboard. She's already writing. She's herself again. <laughs> wow. What a harrowing experience, but what a life altering experience to really um, find that you were really in the veil between heaven and earth here. And that what an experience I've never talked to anyone who has been in a medical coma the way that you were. Um, and on top of that, you know, we don't know who've not experienced that, what that might be like. So thank you for giving us that glimpse. And I'm just so grateful that you're okay, Pam. That was very scary for us watching this unfold in real time. And it was more scary for everybody watching it, oh, including my husband, my family, I my friends who are all praying. I so thank you for all your oh. prayers, you know, but I do want to just um, tell people that God is with us. Yeah. You know, he says he's our Emmanuel and we preach it at Christmas and we say it kind of casually, God is with us every moment of every day. And we don't know how many days we have left on this earth. And the next, I mean, it it could be today that God says, you know what? I want you in heaven now. But when I woke up that day, I began to praise God because that's all I could do. I can't talk, you know, so I could write on my whiteboard and I could listen to praise music. And I'm like, I'm going to worship my way to wellness. And again, it was just me and God communicating. And I pulled out my Bible and began to pray, you know, what are you trying to tell me? Because, Lord, I know that we have no guarantees that every day is a gift. And so the verse that he gave to me was out of Psalms 56, 11. 
You have been, you have delivered my soul from death, indeed, my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Mm. And I thought that's a perfect set of marching orders. I, I am not God. It is not my right to ask him why he decided to leave me and take somebody else. That's, Mm. that's his job. But my job is to walk with God in the land of the living every moment that I'm living. Mm. And it's so like, I've always been confident uh, because my life has been so transformed by the power of God Mm. from the home that I grew up in and the chaos and craziness of that home um, ruled by an alcoholic dad that was out of control. Mm. Um, But me and my mom and my brothers and sisters came to Christ and our lives have been transformed. So I've always been confident in God's power to change a life, redeem a life. But after what I've been through, I I can tell people it's worth it. Mm. Like we talk about heaven, but we can't even grasp how wonderful that when he does usher us into his presence, how Mm. wonderful it will be. So keep telling people about the wonder of Jesus here on earth and the wonder of Christ Mm. later on in heaven for eternity. I mean, you've really experienced a complete life of transformation. Like you said, from early on your early parts of your testimony, and then just this resilience that you've developed, which is no surprise me that God gave you glimpses of even other sides of his character. And this, this withness that you describe that we know intellectually, Pam, but to really experience that to the level that you did, thank you for sharing that with us and, and to know the sub that. So that I've kept you here so that you may do this, that we're not done. And uh, I just co-wrote a book with my dad. He just is going to turn 80 in a month. And I pulled him out of retirement. You're not done until you're done. I mean, the Lord used him. Amen. Right. He used him mightily. But I think sometimes we put ourselves on the shelf or we think our best years are behind us or things may be difficult with, with finances or, or health, as we're describing here. I would love to know, and I don't want to call it the secrets of your resilience because I know there's no secret here, but there are processes and there's commitments that you've made. We can't go through everything about your journey, but from that early childhood that was so chaotic, that was so traumatizing and difficult and how that framed your life, Pam, to, to begin with, what has been some of the the hopes that you've held on to that, that have given you this life of such resilience, tenacity, and, uh, and faith to, to be able to do things like writing 58 books, pastoring. I mean, these are, these are not small feats. These are, these are just mountains that you have climbed. So give us the, the other side of that. We might see the tapestry of 58 books. I'm holding up her latest one here on discovering the Bible and uh, discovering the good news of John, her latest study here, if you're watching this on YouTube, but what does this look like to be you, Pam? We get to see this from the outside and and watch the, the extraordinary life that you have lived, but help us for those of us that are going through things. We don't quite have this concept of witness yet, and we have not developed the depth of resilience that you've demonstrated. Help us to know how, what that has looked like and how we can adopt that in our own life. That's, that's a great question. And um, sometimes I think it's the rhythms of our life. It's the mm-hmm. choices that we make in the little things that add up to 
big change over time. And um, what, for example, I, I start every morning as long as I can remember back when I was a little girl, I start the morning with this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, and then and I just commit the day to the Lord um, before I even put my feet down uh, on the side of my bed. And um, nowadays, what I've added to that is Alexa, play Christian music. Oh, and um, then the Christian music will come on. Oh, okay, Alexa, stop. Sorry, <laughs> she heard you. Yeah, she did. Alexa, stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I forgot it was plugged in. Um, yes. Yeah, so like that's probably one of the wisest things I do nowadays is to just turn on praise music right away. So it, that just fills your house, your home, with the presence of God, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Mm. Um, and so it's a journey. Um, I, then I get into the word, you know, a lot of people love their cup of coffee. Um, I, I tend to just have some hot tea, but, um, and sit with the Lord for a while in the word. And that has become like, if you're climbing a mountain, um, you have this lifeline and, and it's clipped on, your belt and it's called a carabiner right carabiner and you move that carabiner up and up and up and up the mountain and that's what your daily time with the lord is is just moving up the mountain Mm. but um i've just decided like because of all the change and redemption that god brought into my life so rapidly when i gave my life to christ as a young girl my house didn't change. My dad didn't change right away, but God changed me Mm. um, from being sullen and pouty to perky Pam. Mm. And it was the joy of the Lord indeed was my strength. And so I have woven joy into that journey. And so a lot of my books, you'll see that theme and um, discovering, and I know you've written about joy (laughs) as well. So we have that common denominator that will probably uh, resonate with your audience as well. But um, discovering joy in Philippians was a Bible study I wrote fairly recently. And there's three simple principles of joy that I have seen give my life strength over all these decades. And the first one is joy is proactive. Mm. And that I have a friend and she uh, worked with um, PTSD first responders. So when you are like on the edge of life like that day in and day out, you get exhausted. And these first responders, they're, they went from living like vibrant technicolor lives to like gray, everything felt gray and depressed Mm. and disillusioned. And so, but they found that if they had them make a list of 30 things that they know have always given them joy and then put one of those things every day on the calendar. So a joy moment every day on the calendar that, that moved them forward out of that depression uh, and brought life back to them again. And so um, first is proactive, uh, write down what, what in this world do you appreciate? You know, that attitude of gratitude, which yeah. is the second point of joy is it's joy's reflective. And when we cultivate that attitude of gratitude and um, I have a bullet journal and a prayer journal, and I keep track of the praises every day. Mm. So yes, I look for the promises of God's word and how they're going to apply that day. But I also look at what can I praise him for mm. that day and thank him for 
And that keeps our heart in the right place to receive the truth. Mm. Um, and then lastly, uh, for me, joy is creative. Mm. Uh, I love Bible art and a part of the discovering the Bible series. It's a creative Bible experience. Yes. And so it's a right brain, left brain. We mix some art and creativity in there. It's coloring pages. And the thing that I found out about, you know, in the first five words in the Bible is in the beginning, God created. So we are like him when we do anything creative or when we're out in creation and we value and appreciate that time in nature. Um, but it is a fun little fact that um, when you're coloring or doing anything creative, um, you cannot think of your problems at the same time. They're on two oh, different sides of your brain. So God even made us so that when we are most like him uh, creating mm-hmm. that our problems seep away that we focus on him and the beauty of life rather than the ugliness and the depression and frustration. So I thought, you know, God is just so much wiser than we can even comprehend. Mm -hmm. And with that attitude um, and wanting to just bring beauty into the world, either by our words, by our actions, um, by our talents and gifts, then we see God bring us full circle and that joy boomerangs back into our own life when we give it away, when we want to sprinkle joy on our path. I love that. What what wonderful steps for us to implement. And yes, as I studied joy in my own life a few years ago, it is intentional. It's different than happiness, which happiness is based on our happenings or circumstances yep. can rise and fall. So we could have a great day and we're happy. The next day, things aren't great and we're struggling with our attitude and with perspective. But really what you're describing for us, Pam, is an, in- an intentional life, a proactive life, a life of gratitude, a life of reflection, so that when things happen and they have to you and, and in your life, and even most recently with, with your health journey, you can still choose joy and, and it radiates from your face. I mean, if you've watched <laughs> it, you can see, you know, that she's full of joy. Um, I want to talk to you just about not only the resilience of strength that you've demonstrated in your life that's so connected to joy. But also the, the, just the fruit, I almost use the word productivity, but I'm, I, I, I'm reticent to use that word, although it is a a high level of productivity, but really it's kingdom fruit. And I have another one of your books here that I've loved, which is a quick devotional women on the go devotion. So you're a woman on the go and, and I'm sure you talk to moms, to women and how have you, and I'm sure you, this is not the first time you've, you've been asked this question. But for I, I have women, I've offered my fourth book and, uh, so I'm way, 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 way behind you here, but I talk to women a lot who think I just can't find the time. I can't find the time. Um, I'm putting that in air quotes because we have to make the time and that may be part of what exactly. you but I want to hear how you have literally just found the time, made the time. What has that looked like to you? What kind of disciplines have you practiced to be able to have this level of fruit that has flown, that has really uh, come from your life and your ministry? Um, well, one of the things it really is connected to joy because, okay, in the New Testament, um, the word charis uh, is the most used over 74 times um, in the New Testament. And one of the um, synonyms there, one of, if you look it up in the original languages, is calm delight. And the reason I love that one is it because it gives you something to do when you're stressed out. 
like, let's say my mother-in-law is agoraphobic and a hoarder and she um, is, well, she's pretty volatile. Her emotions are very volatile. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And my father-in-law was uh, frail and body and my mother-in-law's frail in mind. Mm -hmm. And so she can really get upset easily. So when she gets upset, I'm like, okay, she doesn't have joy. Her life would be better with joy. She's robbing our joy because of her choices right now. So I push pause and I say, what would bring calm to my mom-in-law right now? What would bring delight to her soul? What would calm me down right now? What would be a delightful distraction to me? You know, so uh, calm and delight. She loves lemon cookies. We'll start with that. Uh, Let's have me pray for her. I'll go on a prayer walk. And, you know, that is a choice made day after day, after day, after day, moment after moment, all day long, decade after decade. Uh, and I looked back and I realized God trained that into me when I was about nine years old. I have like my journal from the year I received Christ mm. as a little girl. And it, the the day I received Christ, it said, um, today I asked Jesus in my heart. I became a Christian. My dad drank all day, so I made chocolate chip cookies. Mm. So, (laughs) so, you know, it's like God connected joy, choices to um, cultivate joy uh, from the very get-go in my life. And I bring that up because it saves you time. Mm. You know, if you have positive emotions, you can get more done because negative emotions rob from us. That's why, you know, John 10, 10. Uh, I came to, to give life and give it abundantly, but the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. That the, the evil one wants to take, 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 take. So if we can keep our mindset on Christ, if we can keep our um, view with that ke- heavenly mindset that, you know, God's in control, he's still on the throne, um, he will order the steps of my day, no matter what's happening, he will be with me in every moment, you know, if, Choosing those life-giving statements of truth from the Bible, it helps you be productive. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe that. I'm like people ask me all the time, "How'd you write 58 books in yeah. 26 years?" Yeah, and that's like two books a year. Plus, yeah. I was a pastor's wife, director of women's ministry, writer, speaker, community leader, etc. It's and one of the reasons why I could do that is because. I did not want to let Satan rob any more from my life than he tried to rob from my family as a little girl. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not giving you any more ground. I'm giving all this ground to God, uh, holy ground. I'm going to try to keep the steps that I'm on as holy ground. So that's one of the keys. And then the other is, you know, we buffet our body to make it our slave, uh, out of Corinthians. And that just means we make some choices. Like I'm boss of my body. So that means if I make good choices um, with how I spend my time, um, like when I was a young mom, this is a simple example, a young mom, I'm nursing. I can choose how I'm going to spend that time while I'm nursing. So instead of watching soap operas all day, I chose to have, you know, praise music on and I was in Bible study fellowship. And so I was doing my Bible study. Uh, So I was in the word and I was reading the word over my kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's healthy too. Uh, And side note, uh, spending time nurturing your kids and your grandkids is a great priority uh, Mm -hmm. in your life. And 
don't ever think it's robbing time away because it's a great investment for the future of your family. Mm. And so I've, we've seen that come full circle. Now those, my kids and grandkids were praying for me in the hospital. And I knew that if it was my time to go to heaven, they would just pick up my ministry in their personality and run the gospel forward. So just your daily choices like that, that, um, will bring productivity to your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was, okay, so when I'm washing dishes, well, you can do lots of things while you're washing dishes. I choose to listen to your wonderful podcast is one of the good choices, you know, that you can make <laughs> while you're washing dishes. And so just maximizing my moments yes. um, with the Holy Spirit leading. God, how do you want me to spend this 10 minutes that I have right here? Right. I usually have a book. This in my hand. I have one in my glove compartment. I have one that I carry in my purse. So no matter where I'm stuck, yes. the extra few minutes, I'll either pull out my phone and read something um, there or listen to a Christian podcast or pull out one of those books. Mm-hmm. So even using those minutes that we could easily whittle away and waste, yeah. but for God's glory. Mm, so good, Pam. I mean, it's really a life of intentionality that you're describing for us that you've lived that you've modeled. I mean, as you talk, I'm thinking I could fill 10 episodes just talking about, you know, <laughs> uh, m- managing your time or your marriage because your books have been so renowned. Um, but underneath all that, I just get these themes of intentionality, joy, determination to live in joy, determination to not let the enemy steal anything, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to live a life that matters. Really, that's at the end of this season. That's what we do on the podcast is talking about living a life that matters. And they're small choices. I said to someone once, you know, you don't just arrive. It's a million steps to that destination. It's a million little choices. It's a million little uh, decisions and uh, I think I talk to women, sometimes they're waiting for the big decision or the, and, and those things matter, but it's a lot of small choices and small moments, as you're describing, that add up to a life well-lived. And so if we just give God the next moment, you've talked about practical things we can do, having a book in hand, having a journal, you know, utilizing that time, starting our day with the right habits. So there's just so much wisdom that comes from you, Pam, and I'm so grateful. And uh, talk for a minute about your new Bible study. Then I want to ask you one last question. So your new Bible study is on John, and these are very creative Bible studies. So why did you choose John? And I might tie it in with my last question, which is always, other than Jesus, who has most inspired you in the Bible to make life matter? So because you just wrote about him, would that person be John? But sometimes for me, it's like, well, who am I (laughs) studying, you know, or is there someone else? So it's a two-part question. Tell us a bit about your latest study and then tell us who that person is in the Bible for you. So, um, discovering John is the fourth in the series this summer, discovering um, wisdom in Proverbs will be coming out. Our first was discovering hope in the Psalms and uh, then discovering joy in Philippians, which hit during COVID. Yes. How perfect is exactly. that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then discovering Jesus in the old Testament, but discovering John, I get to write the, um, devotionals like how do we apply this now how do we walk it out that's my job is the overall kind of global edit 
um, for this series, but specifically, how can I help people take all these great concepts that are huge and wonderful truths and walk it out in practical life? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought there's so many great names of Jesus in the book of John. You know, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I'm the way, the truth and the life. Um, I'm the sh- good shepherd. I'm the vine. And, and I looked back at my life and I'm like, okay, I grew up on a Suffolk sheep farm. Yeah. I think I'm a robo peep. I could talk about that. Uh, okay. Between the time we sold our house and we moved on to the boat, I worked the vineyard that my sister-in-law owned. Mm-hmm. I was a vine dresser. So I get that. So I just thought that is a good place for me to park myself during that year is just in the the names of Jesus in the book of John. Mm. And um, we we all as a group, there's three of us that are my friend Carla and uh, Jean. Carla is the artist and Jean's the deep dive Bible study person. And how the series even got started was Jean wrote this Bible study on hope in the Psalms. And she asked me if I would edit it. Can I hire you to edit it? And if you believe in it, would you write a cover letter? Mm. And well, I thought the best way to edit is to do it. So I did the Bible study and there's these creative elements where you write a Psalm to apply the different Psalms to your life. And I'm like, oh, let's just like, I'm super creative. So I'm like, Ooh, let's add more creativity to it. And how about we add art? And how about if I talk to my friend Carla to see if she would do coloring pages. And at the time harvest house was on the top of the bestseller list with their coloring, coloring books, scripture. And so I pitched the whole idea at a harvest house and they came back and they said, this is a great Bible study. And, um, um, we believe in it, but this is her first Bible study. You have the platform, Pam, she's brand new. Um, do you think that you could co-author it in any way? I'm like, this is Jean's, you know, Bible study. I'll ask Jean. It's all up to Jean. And so Jean's like, anything to get the word of God out? Yes, yes, that'd be great, Pam. We And so we pulled the team together. And um, that's how all the creativity got swirled in. And when it hit was at the beginning of when we were deciding whether we needed to move, sell everything uh, and downsize to care give Bill's mm-hmm. parents. So at a moment when I needed hope, that God of all hope, I mean, that's his name in Romans, yes. the God of hope, one name. He had orchestrated that I would be spending my time in the Psalms of hope. Uh, and I, I think that's part of just the hope I'd love to leave with your mm-hmm. listeners is that same God is that personal to you, yes, to me to every woman who listens. Uh, He wants us all to live a life that matters. Mm. And so he'll walk out the details of your life so that you're even in that specific verse that you you need for that specific day. He's that personal. So, wow. You asked me what person I would (laughs) like to meet that. I'm like, that was a lot of spaghetti there. That was a big rabbit trail. But honestly, because of what I've just gone through recently, mm. I don't think it's a person. I think it's a host of angels that I'd actually really love to meet in person when I do cross over into glory. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that there was a heavenly host of angels that announced Christ's birth, that he was going to be Emmanuel with us. And in, in other places in the Bible, it says there's a legion 
that he'll come with legion of angels when he returns. And that is like thousands and thousands, you know, one legion, 6,000. So you multiply that by 12, 12 legions of angels. It's like, wow, that's a whole bunch of angels that I have all eternity to get to meet mm. and hear about. Now, tell me about how did God help have you help all of us down here on earth? Oh. I'd love to hear the backstory. <laughs> oh, how fascinating, especially with that being such an intimate part of what happened with your own experience. No one has ever given me that answer before. And <laughs> I think it's it's just absolutely spectacular. And uh, it makes me even excited. And to think, I think sometimes we just forget that God himself ministers to us, but he also uses angels to minister. And the fact that you had just such an up close and personal encounter. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not surprised at all by that answer, but I think it's beautiful. And, and I just want to just say, Pam, as a younger author, I'm not far behind you in age, but far behind you in number of books. I just cannot thank you enough for the life of um, not that you're by any means done, but just this life of commitment, obedience, surrender, um, dedication, yeah. resilience. And, you know, we can look at someone's life and we can admire it. But when you really get to sit with someone and pick their brain, as you've allowed us to do today, we hear some of the intentional choices, the the discipline, the um, decisions to move forward and not backwards and to not stagnate. So whoever you are, wherever you are listening, God is no respecter of persons. And so we can all make some of these same exact choices. Your calling may not be to write 58 books. It may be to raise those children that God has given you or to work in the marketplace or whatever he's asked of you, but to know that these kind of choices will frame a life that is well-lived. And that's what uh, any of us could ask for is to just keep doing and being the next day who God wants us to be and do what he's called us to do. So Pam, thank you so much. We are so incredibly grateful uh, for your life, your legacy, and uh, for more that's coming from you. And <laughs> and I just have to, to shout out collaboration because as you described this Bible study, I'm such an advocate for collaboration, especially creatively. Yes. And, and we're not called to be silos. We're called to collaborate. That was a big part of what the Lord put on my heart for the retreat, then I'm so glad you'll be able to be with us this year, uh, mended and uh, so much in a different position, um, just physically than a year ago. But, you know, we're, we're so much stronger working side by side and coming alongside of one mm -hmm. another, learning from one another, as you've been so gracious to, to just share you're a well of, of wealth and rich insights. And I could literally talk to you for hours, but I know I'm <laughs> respectful of your time, but I would love for you. I, I want to make sure people know where do you want them to go to purchase your resources? You have so many. She mentioned the brand new one um, is on John guys, but she has got so many resources out there. And of course her, her uh, renowned books on marriage, but Pam, where would you like for them to go to find out all about you and the, and the books that you can purchase? Sure. Two quick things. Well, actually, three quick things. First, I have a free ebook, uh, Love Wise. Our ministry is called Love Wise. We like to say we park ourselves on the corner of God's love and God's wisdom. Good. So if you go to love-wise.com, there's a banner and it says infectious joy. It's 30 days of creativity. Every day you learn a new verse uh, about joy and how to apply it to your life. So that one's a freebie. And you can find all of our books and resources at LoveWise as well as, you know, we try to just keep feeding um, free things into your life too. So no matter how 
much money you happen to have in your pocket. Because when we were in seminary as young married people, the library had free books and it was a good thing. (laughs) Uh, So we always try to keep blessing people back for the blessings that God has given to us. And the second is, I want you to thank your dad because Mm -hmm. he lived a life so well lived. And when, when you sent me the book that you recently just collaborated with your dad, I started weeping because I'm first generation believer. Bill and I, it, it, Christianity started, um, with me and my mom coming to Christ at the same time. Mm. And so recently one of my granddaughters, Sutton was, um, helping me MC a zoom meeting, uh, with my friends. And, um, she was sharing verses that she had memorized in Christian school. She's seven sitting on my lap and we were talking about friendships and she's like, I know a good verse, treat others as you would like to be treated. It's the golden rule. Jesus said it. And I was like, ah, and when I pictured little Sutton, I picture her like, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ahead. She's you. So I, it just gives me, your family gives me so much inspiration. So thank you for being you. And lastly, um, I just, I'm so grateful for all you're doing for um, your audience, helping them live a life that matters. So thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'll put all that in my show notes as well. And uh, I'm honored by your kind words. And trust me, the gift of writing that book with my dad was more of a gift to me than a gift to him. It's, it's something I'll never forget. And, And I think it gave him such life. And I just want to say that as we close, honor those that have gone before us that have paved the trail and learn from them, sit under, ask, can I have a half hour of your time, an hour of your time? There is so much wisdom to be gleaned and to be, to learn. I'm currently writing a paper for grad school on the life of Elizabeth Elliot. And oh, yes. reading, yeah, <laughs> another force to be reckoned with. And I'm um, reading Becoming Elizabeth Elliot by her biographer. And one of the things that inspired her to write this biography was she was on Wheaton's campus where they, of course, went to college, standing in front of the building named for Jim Elliot. And students were walking out and she was asking them if they knew who he was. And most of them did not even know who he was here on the campus wow. in front of a building named for him. So that just grieved me. You know, there's that scripture that says there came a day that they knew not Joseph. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we don't pass on, if we don't honor the previous generation and mentor and raise up the the one to come, then things are lost. And we want to have, we want to finish what we want to have a life of longevity. And so that is one hand backwards to say, what can I learn? And another hand forward to say, what can I pass on? And I think if we maintain that posture, I'm in between those two generations and, um, and uh, we can learn from both and, uh, and be it's so true. Yeah. And like, you came from a wonderful family. So you have this family tree that is so godly and rich. And that's what I want for my kids and grandkids. Yeah. But even Bill and I, we talk about decisions that we made. Yeah. We hunted down mentors from the yeah. time we were that's 18. So yes. And like, I always had a Paul in my life, you know, a, a woman leader year after year after year. And some of them, um, you know, like even Jill Briscoe, Bill and yes, I wrote to yes. Jill and Stewart and said, you know, there's not very many people that are pastors and you both write and speak. Mm. Uh, and she's like, yeah, we've always been the model of the unusual. Of course, I'll give you time. And so sometimes it's getting out of our comfort zone to build those relationships, yes. especially yes. if we come from families of chaos. But, you know, the family of God is big enough. 
There's spiritual moms and dads out there that would love to give time. Mm -hmm. We just have to ask. That's so true. That's so good, Pam. And we don't have to be defined, whatever our family of origin, like you said, we can create the pathways that we want to see for ourselves and for our, those that we love around us. So that was like a little added bonus there on the, on the end. It was like, we're almost <laughs> done. I'm like, well, wait, I just want to add one more thing. So um, I just think we would be remiss to not honor a life of, of that's well-lived and, mm-hmm. um, and let's not put anybody on a shelf. We've, we've, we've got so much to learn from one another and, and to pick brains. Yes, we can read resources and it's so important because you'll see I'm reading Elizabeth's words herself. That's the best teacher for me, but I'll never be able to sit and, and talk in a podcast with her or, or have a one-on-one. But as I'm reading her own words and watching the choices, I see the choices in her life early on that she made yep. that, that were there when she hit the crisis moments. So let's not wait for the crisis moments to develop that kind of uh, resilience that we're talking about today, but do that in the private moments of your life. And then when the crisis hits, you'll be prepared and the Lord will be with you as Pam yep. started. So thank you so much, Pam. And uh, I, I I have to let you go because my heart <laughs> wants to keep chatting, but I would love for you to just pray over our listeners and uh, we've covered so much today, but whatever's on your heart, would you just pray as we end our time together? Sure. Thank you, Angela. Sure. Lord, thank you so much for every person that will listen to these words immediately or even years from now. Father, we know that your timing is perfect because you are perfect, God. Thank you for being our Emmanuel, that you are with us moment by moment, breath by breath. I pray that you would empower every person that hears this podcast, empower them with the next right choice. Let them do, as Elizabeth Elliott said, the next right thing and um, lead them to that next right thing. Give them the courage to take that step. Give them the truth to walk it out. Give them your presence to empower them to be brave in this world. And Lord, we pray that each one of us would indeed have that heavenly mindset and want to choose joy, choose you, Jesus, so that we might be life givers in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.